0: I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. The San Francisco Unified School District is broke. I mean, really broke. The situation is dire enough that the state is now intervening. California is requiring the district to take a series of actions that will help address its massive $116 million shortfall. That's right, $116 million. It's the latest blow for a district that's been in crisis for a year and a half. There were school board controversies, a recall effort to oust three board members, costly lawsuits and tension between the teachers union and parents over returning to in-person instruction. And in the background of all of that, enrollment in the district has been dropping And that's why personnel costs like benefits and salaries and other costs have increased by tens of millions of dollars in recent years. There's a lot to dissect about the financial tailspin happening in San Francisco schools, and we're going to do that with Chronicle Education reporter Jill Tucker. Jill, thanks so much for joining me. Let's start with the size of that shortfall, $116 million dollars. How did the San Francisco Unified School District accumulate that large of a deficit?
1: Well, I think the first answer is it's it's not entirely new. This uh, the district has been um, spending more than it gets in for several years. They've been aware of it. Mm-hmm. Um, they've been using their reserve to sort of cover it. But you know, even a couple years ago, they were facing about a sixty million dollar deficit. They, they've been able to handle it with rainy day funds, with other types of revenue. Voters have passed a parcel tax. There's there's a lot of, of money coming in from various places. But the reality is, um, given the pandemic, the costs associated with it, as well as rising costs for personnel, mm-hmm. Uh, pensions, special education, all of these things are contributing to this deficit. They're just not getting enough money in um, to pay for all of these things. So the deficit now is at about $116 million, which is about the equivalent of
0: 13% of the district's you know, billion-dollar budget. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so now that shortfall is significant enough where the state has to step in and intervene why is that happening? And what does that intervention look like exactly?
1: Yeah, so, um, San Francisco is looking at, they ha, their budget is fine this year. They have enough money coming in from the pandemic to sort of offset any cuts that they would have to make. But what the state is looking at is a year or two in the future. And if they look at the district's projected budget and they believe that it cannot pay its bills, it goes into this qualified status. Mm-hmm. And that's when, for a district like San Francisco, which is both a county office of education and a district, District, the state has to step in by law and um, ask for certain things to happen to prevent the district from essentially going bankrupt. Mm -hmm. Now, in other cases, there are 13 other districts in the state that are sort of in the similar situation, um, but their county offices of education are overseeing that. They're all in varying degrees of, you know, being able to pay their bills, whether it's this year or in the future years. Um, But, you know, I I would definitely say, uh, based on what officials are saying and based on just history... Um, This is a pretty historic deficit when you're talking about 13 percent of a district's overall budget, you know, looking at what you have to cut in order to
0: balance your budget. And is there a sense of how they will do that or is that going to be guided by the state's sort of technical assistance?
1: Yeah. So there are certain, you know, the law sort of governs what Uh, a county or the state can do when a district gets into this situation, but immediately it will require fiscal experts to come in and, and uh, work with the district to try to figure out, um, you know where cost savings are. Um, you know what they need to do to balance their budget. It also uh, requires the district to submit any labor agreements to the state for review uh, before they agree to them to see if they are fiscally sound in terms of what the district um, is looking at. Because if they give a bunch of raises or you know increase healthcare coverage, you know what is that going to do to the budget? So they're they're looking at that as well. Um, the district has to now submit a, a budget balance plan. Uh, by December fifteenth, and if they don't, it's possible the state could then withhold the pay of the superintendent mm-hmm. and the school board. So there's a lot of little legally binding things that the state can do that the state must do. But basically it's it's kind of putting the screws to the district to really, Uh, make some serious decisions so they don't land in bankruptcy and and an estate takeover, which um, which is terrible. I mean, other districts that have had that, it means that there is no local control. There is a state administrator. There Mm -hmm. is no school board control. A state official comes in and their sole job is to um, make the district fiscally solvent. And of course, that isn't What families and teachers and people in the district want to see, you know, they want that local control and the state strips it if there's a takeover.
0: Is it too early to know what impact this might have on students? I'm sure parents, families hearing this news might be very concerned.
1: Yes. I mean, you know, we'll see in the coming months um, exactly what the district plans to do to balance the budget. Um, but the reality is um, they already made cuts they made 20 i think it's 24 25 million dollars in cuts um, to the central office mm-hmm. uh, in the fall to balance the budget so you know that means they've already cut positions and and what we're hearing frankly you know from teachers in the teachers union is that they can't get anyone in, in human resources to call back mm-hmm. because there are there isn't enough staff in the in the district office now based on those cuts um, the school board required the superintendent to keep all cuts away from the classroom. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, you know, I I think we're going to be seeing some some cuts at the school level. Um, the the district has seen declining enrollment. They've lost about 2000 students in the last 5 years. Mm-hmm. Um but haven't made any cuts to sort of compensate from that. Right now the school board has avoided transferring teachers around um you know after the school year started. So, uh you know, that consolidating classrooms and teachers would have saved about $5 million. But so far, the school board has not wanted to do that. So I think we'll be seeing more of these really tough decisions in the future. I mean, what's best for kids? Yes, keeping their teacher with them. But is that fiscally sound? Probably Mm -hmm. not. So those are the decisions that, um, you know, the school board and the school district are going to have to make. And, And I don't see any way that this doesn't go into the classrooms.
0: Declining enrollment is a big problem here, something that they've been aware of. What are the reasons behind that? And is there a strategy to address it or to, to help alleviate that issue? Yeah, you know, uh, for years, the district actually was seeing increasing enrollment. And
1: then, um, you know, it started to go down a little bit, but really the pandemic has hit hard. Mm-hmm. They lost a lot of students, a lot of kindergartners, and and they aren't seeing them come back now that schools are, are in person. And, um, you know, certainly the plan, you know, is to provide a high quality education, to convince families to come back. Um, you know, but a lot of those families have already made the decisions that they're making, especially. Since the pandemic is ongoing, um, you know there's still a lot of families that are homeschooling or or don't want to return to in-person learning or have chosen private schools for a variety of reasons. Um, so right now, if if the numbers remain as they are where the district has lost over a thousand students in the last year or two that is a lot of state funding that they're not going to get mm-hmm. in the coming years and that's one of the reasons why they're seeing this massive deficit and rising deficit is for for each of those kids that they don't have, you know the state loses ten twelve thousand mm-hmm. dollars and so when you have declining enrollment if you do not make cuts, to correspond to that, then, um, you know, you're, you're going to spend more than you
0: get. We'll be right back after a short break. But first, it's been about five months since I've joined Fifth Emission as host and producer. And it's been a ton of fun helping bring you important stories from around the Bay Area. Hopefully, you've liked some of the changes we've made around here. And while I'm staying busy... We want to make sure that we're also listening to you, so we need your help. Today, we're launching a quick survey to get to know you a bit better and understand what you want from 5th Emission. Visit sfchronicle.com slash survey. It'll take less than 10 minutes, I promise, and you'll be entered to win one of three $100 gift cards. Not bad, right? We can't thank you enough for listening to 5th Admission. We hope we get to do the same for you. We're all ears. Let us know what you think at sfchronicle.com slash survey. We're back with Jill Tucker and the latest with the San Francisco Unified School District. Jill, the district recently spent some significant funds in response to issues around race, including creating new programs for different student subgroups, all the fees related to that renaming schools decision, which was eventually reversed, uh, approving a nearly $1 million plan to cover a school mural that many said was racist. Are critics now saying that these kinds of decisions were poor planning on the part of the district?
1: Yes. You know, I think um, a lot of critics are, are concerned that the school board has had Magical thinking, if you will, as as one former school board member told me, that that they really have not buckled down to face this massive deficit, and and that's you know by their actions where they're creating new programs um, that cost money mm-hmm. and staff, and in in one case um, they voted to hire a school board liaison, which they haven't hired yet, so they're not spending that money, but. You know, that's that's sort of a budgeted position because they wanted sort of their own person um to to, you know, uh work with the school district. And and so when you're looking at things like that, it, it raises questions of are you really taking this seriously? Because, you know, instead of looking at what is fiscally sound, you're actually increasing the amount of money mm-hmm. that the district is spending mm-hmm. as opposed to um you know, it, it's not even as if they're just keeping spending flat, they're, they're actually increasing mm-hmm. it. The state can actually uh, put a freeze on on some of these things can have more direct oversight about where the money's going to contracts or other types of things. Um, you know, and, and I think that that's one of the reasons that the state is stepping in is because they said, we've been talking about this for a long time with you. And there is still no mm-hmm. plan and so i think they're they're really coming in now going it's it's gone too far and unless something happens now you're you're headed down a very deep dark hill
0: <laughs> so what does happen now what's next will the district be facing the pain of this for a while and what can families and concerned parents sort of brace themselves for
1: yeah. So, I mean, this the district is looking at sort of a starting from scratch budget uh, for next year, which means, you know, they call it zero based budgeting, where instead of sort of accepting how you've been spending money in the past, you start over mm-hmm. and you allocate every do- dollar anew and look for ways that, you know, maybe you've been spending money that you, you, no longer want to do. But the reality is by December fifteenth, they have to submit a plan to the state that talks about how they're going to make cuts or how they're going to eliminate this $116 million deficit, you know, before they adopt it next June. And so it's it's a long haul and, and they will be taking feedback from the public about where they want to make these cuts or, or how they want to do this. Um, you know, but I I don't think there is any magical source of funding that is going to um, erase this deficit for years to come. It's not just one time. It's This rolls over every year, so you have to make the cuts. You can't just save it in one time. You have to make the cuts permanent so that you can um,
0: balance the budget the year after that and the year after that so their their proposal of how to tackle this is December fifteenth right around the corner then,
1: yeah, they basically have two months to come up with a very serious plan that tells the public how they are going to come up with you know more than a hundred million dollars. So far, there hasn't been a lot of information on how that's going to happen and where it's going to come from. At a recent meeting, the school board was talking about how they don't want any cuts to classrooms. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but if all your money is mostly in the staffing teachers and spending in classrooms, um, there there just simply isn't enough money at the central office to make up that amount of money. So it has to come from somewhere.
0: I know you'll be keeping an eye on it for us. Jill, thank you for your reporting and for chatting with me about it. Thank you. Jill Tucker is The Chronicle's education reporter. You can find her story about the financial crisis of the San Francisco Unified School District at sfchronicle.com or on the Chronicle app. Thanks to Karen Creighton for producing this episode and to you for listening.